Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. live for 2023 the year the bomb went off hello everyone uh welcome to our little show of uh the forlorn dopes or tales from the forlorn dopes i'm your host cyber smiley yes Yep. <laughs> well, I think it, it it can't be worse than, you know, 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, um, on our little hiatus, were you able to check out any cyberpunk media at all? Okay. Well, I can <laughs> I can tell you a little bit about um and again, you know, um our little uh, hiatus, I'm afraid real life kind of took a a boot to my nuts as it were. Um when it came to free time cuz let's just say work work wasn't pleasant, especially when I was supposed to be on vacation. Um, so yeah, the, the things I saw, um, that were kind of cyberpunk related is, uh, Netflix, they had, um, this show, a series called 1899, um, in the trailers, it portrays the year 1899, a, a steam tramp, um, trying to go to America, um, and, and various weird things start happening. Um, and at the end, and I don't think it's going to get picked up for another season, but, um, basically at the end, you, you, you found out that 
you know, the, the people are in a virtual reality simulator. And I would exactly. So um, it'll be interesting. It would be interesting if there was a second season to explain what the whole story is. Um, I believe the producers are from uh, a show called Dark or The Dark, uh, which is another Netflix series. I think there's four seasons of that. Um, that is kind of more time travel. It's a great series. I, I recommend, highly recommend it. Um, just because they were able to keep the whole time streams very in sync. And it's when you start watching the series, you have to like go back and watch previous episodes. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, that what, what? um, because it's very self-referential, I guess. Um, so that was that was a good series. Uh, the other thing that I think was close to cyberpunk um, was uh, the Midnight Sky with George Clooney. Um, so, yeah, you want me to give you the plot, <laughs> or should I hold off? All right. So basically, yeah, yeah. So the so the plot is basically. Um, Earth is pretty much dead. Um, some tragedy, and I really couldn't determine exactly what happened, but some experiment that they tried basically caused the uh, atmosphere to become toxic to all life. So George Clooney is in a polar uh, research station, and of course, you know, with, with the air becoming so polluted that it doesn't sustain life, the last area that would technically be affected is the uh, polar caps. Um, so he's in a research station up there. Um, there's some twists and, and turns there, but the uh, the second story that's happening as he's trying to, you know, survive up there is a um, mission to Jupiter is making its return back to Earth and lost all communication so they have no idea what's happening on Earth. Um, so it was like a two-year mission out. Yeah, it's a two-year mission out to, to Jupiter that's coming back. So it's, was it 2049, 48, I think was the year in the story so it's a little bit kind of cyberpunky uh in that it's near future high technology um kind of story which which i usually contribute to to cyberpunk genre stuff um but it, it was uh, i had some problems with some of the plot there was some interesting twists in it um that were nice but there was also other other things in it that, you know, kind of I was annoyed because um, basically at the end, everyone dies. <laughs> when I mean everyone, I mean all of humanity. So. Yeah, it has high ratings too. It's like ninety percent on um, plus ninety percent on the uh, Rotten Tomato.
Yes. Were you able to watch, what was it, uh, what else was recommended, uh, Future Warrior? Who was it, John, um, gave us a recommendation? <clears throat> yeah, so, I think next time we'll, yes. <laughs> Let's make it a point of, uh, us reviewing it next, uh, episode, as it were. Like you could, you could see a Black Ops team being inserted, and yeah, there was a movie back in the eighties that ne wasn't necessarily cyberpunk, um, but it was like two corporations going at each other trying to buy a, a an NFL team. And I could see, like, oh, yeah, they're, they were two media corporations, so they're constantly smearing each other. But I could see, like, taking that as a campaign and inserting Black Ops team and, and other things uh, to, to make it into a cyberpunk uh, campaign. Yeah, that reminds me, um, and I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but Thomas Clancy had, what was it, Net? It wasn't Net Watch. It was something Net um, that they actually made into, like, a, a miniseries. Net Force. That's it. Um, so, so Net Force was kind of cyberpunky, and that it was kind of like Bleeding Edge... Um, technology, uh, a little far, not necessarily far future, but near future, definitely sci-fi, um, Yeah. Yeah, so um Right. 
Um, the other upcoming series, movies, something that's coming out that's kind of cyberpunky. Um, the only thing I'm seeing on the radar is like uh, the pod generation, which looks like it's a near future. I think I talked about it in previous episode, Megan. Um, now that it's kind of out is is very, uh, was it kids play? child's play yeah yeah so that's out um also uh there is a 2077 novel that's supposed to be coming out in august this year yeah. so Well, just remember, of course, um, Sikowski uh, did Seth. He did put it as a two or a three on Goodreads. So he thought he, he found some goodness in it. But yeah, f for. Um, for the 2077, Amazon actually has a blurb about it. So you can actually read uh, what it's supposed to be about. It looks like there's uh was it? This newly formed gang composed of veterans turned renegade, a sleeper agent from Militech, a computer nerd, a therapist, a ripper doc, and a techie. Must learn how to overcome their differences and work together, lest their secrets be unveiled before they can pull off the next deadly heist. Very true. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. So, so the problem when you're doing sci-fi and and trying to find it up or find anything that's upcoming. There's so many superhero stuff. Yeah. Or fantasy. And I'm like, that's not sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. So. Um... Other news, so Black Chrome is coming out this year. <laughs> it's at the printers. I have to say that I think other <coughs> it beats. Uh, version 3 from uh, when it was announced to actually being produced. So. Because I, I rem Yes. I like to read what the Economy 101 section is. 
Um, yeah, so that's coming out on hopefully next month, maybe March. We'll see. Um, yeah, so now they have what the uh, Danger Girl dossier is still uh, has to come out, and Rogues, what was it, Rogues something or other, and then of course uh, the Edge Runner supplement, as well as uh, 2027 or 2077. So. So the other thing um, which I think we wanted to address because it's the 400-pound gorilla in the room um, happening within the gaming community is uh, the OGL and what's going on with Wizards um, and whether or not it's a good thing, bad thing. Should, you know, Artosarian adopt it? Um, I, again, I think both of us have kind of <clears throat> I wouldn't say used and abused uh, our Talsorian's properties, but or IP, but we we've kind of borrowed heavily from it and, and tried to produce it. And I think, from from our point of view, mm. and I think that's that's a a different thing compared to today, right? Um, back in the 90s, which, which, you know, hey, I'm putting in the time, you know, I deserve compensation. And yes, I, I, I agree with some of that. Um, I think the, the, the 90s generation was, hey, I'm a fan, I'm just going to produce stuff and give it to the community. Um. Whether it's right or not, I'm not going to judge <laughs> on which which methodology is is true. Um, Right. Well, in my view, and again, you know, it's just my opinion, not necessarily fact, is I think it was um, a 
kind of a, a bad decision for them, right? So, so there's <clears throat> there's ways in which to control it, right? So the the one way of controlling it is similar to what our Talsorian does with the homebrew rules, which is basically, hey, you can use our stuff. You can't take verbatim from our books. You can't replicate everything that would bar someone from buying our books. Um, and there's certain things you can't include, right? Like um, um, stats for, for, for various NPCs. So there's that methodology. However, as, as, a, as a creator, you, you're then kind of forced to, hey, I have to give this up for free. And granted, there's, there's some leniency on, on that, right? So you can still produce stuff um, for free and you can still have some type of little bit of revenue, right? Which is through Patreon, but you know, the, the, the materials you present have to be free. Patreon is just people giving you tips, um, towards, towards your work. And that's one mentality, you know, and then you have like Chaosium who also has an open GL. However, a lot of their open GL, if you actually read it is there's a lot of things that are like, for example, Call of Cthulhu, one of their biggest properties, there's some core <laughs> mechanics that you cannot include with their OpenGL, right? So, like, certain things, like in Call of Cthulhu, there's the whole concept of insanity, um, which is very important to the whole game, and, and kind of, the game kind of revolves around it. You can't include that in anything you produce. So, you, you gotta kind of have to put it off to the side. Um, and not mention it. So, so there, there's, and of course, then there's OpenGL, which <clears throat> you have the game mechanics and also other attributes within there. And, and you know, there, there's, I've, I've watched quite a few um, YouTubers discussing the whole topic and the whole concept of supposedly, you know, you cannot copyright game mechanics. That is currently a belief that they can't because of a, a precedence that was made back when Monopoly or, or some board game was made, right? That you can't, some case, you know, said, hey, you can't include um, mechanics or mechanics aren't copyrightable. Um, however, you can, you know, you, you can't copy, hey, this is Monopoly, this is... Mr. Monopoly, etc., and, and this is Park Avenue and stuff like that, but you could copy other things. Now, no one's gone to court yet with that to, to, to determine whether or not that's truth or, or, fat or, or, or fiction, um, but the concept is, and that's why you have so many, um, um, even computer games, you see it, right? You have so many generic, uh, like, just arcade games that are constantly being produced that people are paying for. Um, right. So I, I think there's there's ways in which creators can still turn a profit as long as they make it generic. Now. Um, the the one thing that you know was brought up is okay and and i think it's something that even in the homebrew rules 
said, hey, you can say this is for cyberpunk, but you can't say this is an official thing, right? You have to put it in certain verbiage to make sure you distance yourself and your product from their, their property, which is, by all means, um, you know, a way in which they can protect their IP. I, I highly doubt that RTG is going to go with an open source. Um, I know Chaosium has kind of signed on with uh, Paizo around an, uh, an open game system. What that game system is going to be is not necessarily what um, what Chaosium products are going to use, right? Which is their skill system or, or how that game system develops. But they're looking to make a, a game system that just has mechanics and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, going back to your point of whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing for, for Wizards of the Coast, I will have to argue that it was a bad thing because towards the end of 3rd edition, Paizo with Pathfinder became the market share. And they were the market share for till 5th edition. Uh, finally brought them back. And that market share was based on D&D, was based on the not just the mechanics, but, you know, several, you know, copyrightable um, <laughs> IP. Right. So... So Wizards of the Coast didn't see a dime of Pathfinder's success, right? And <clears throat> right. Yep. It was, it was an inter yeah, and it was a, a hey, we want to get your feedback on this verbiage, and of course someone read it and was like, oh, this is going to be the new, <laughs> you know, the 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 Bible and, and this is law now and then it's not. Except for uh, cybersmiley.net for cyberpunk being an awesome tool for uh, 
<laughs> Role playing game. <laughs> All right, I, I will call off the Arasaka s strike team on you. Yeah, in my opinion, I think they're, you know, and people can chalk it up to corporate greed, but, you know, there's millions of dollars um, that other people are making off of the D&D &D brand, and, you know, they're they're looking for a taste, and I don't blame them to have it some taste. I mean, granted, you know, it's got to be reasonable, I mean, and... True. Yeah, that's true too. Yes, neither my goal either. With my site, it was more like um, a hobby, right? So some people invest money into doing whatever um, and getting very – they're not – they are getting a reward, but they're not getting a, a financial reward for their abilities. So the money I put into my site um, to keep it going – granted, it was free in the beginning. It's a little more expensive now, but um, – <laughs> It, to me, it's definitely well worth it, and um, yes, the good old days of free stuff. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we're kind of done on the subject. Do you want to move on? Yeah. 
<laughs> if you want to know a bad ga game company, go to uh, Games Workshop. Um, yeah, or, sorry, a money, <laughs> a, a greedy, money, uh, hungry uh, gaming company. So, all right, our, our little diatribe on various subjects in the real world and uh, upcoming stuff. I think we're kind of done. So we're starting the year off on a, on a second uh, show within a month. So therefore, we're going to be doing a book review. And the book review we're doing is Bartmos's... Uh, or sorry, Rach Bartmos's Guide to the Net. Um, published. This was published back in '93. Um, <clears throat> there was uh, quite a few authors in here. Um, Edward Bloom, and again, if I'm butchering these names, it's because <laughs> the the scan I have is horrible. And also the 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 color combination they used was pretty not that great. I mean, it's definitely shocking and and eye catching, but for reading purposes, not so much. Um, you have David Ackerman, uh, who is also an editor. Um, Derek Quintanar, who is also an editor, and Steven uh, Subram, with contributors of Bert. Can't even read that name. Combs, Coombs, uh, yeah, <laughs> Marcus Darby, Mike Malecki, and Mike McDonald. Um, I'm sure he changed his name to Mike McDonald and not Michael McDonald, because he can't forget. Is that song <laughs> really Michael McDonald? You don't know who that is. He sung. He was part of the Doobie Brothers. Um, had a solo career. <laughs> Back in the eighties and seventies. Yeah, I'll play for you. You'll you'll be like, oh, that Michael McDonald. Um, the art in the book uh, was quite a few, um, but mostly silicon graphics. Um, so silicon graphics, computer science. They actually created a bunch of um, computer graphics back in the day, and I think there was videos. So, so the imagery in here, um, there's actually like animations uh, associated with it, which which I was kind of surprised that Altarsorian was able to get <laughs> um, this into their thing. Um, but yeah, they're they're, and again, I, I think wisdom, God.
Yeah, and I think you can probably uh, go to uh, YouTube and try to find um, some of the graphics uh, that they have and actually see the animations that were associated with um, with this book. I'm trying to think uh, specific examples, but I know um, throughout my years I've seen a lot of the images animated. <clears throat> um, really? Yeah, so this was... And I think, well, well, the, and again, um, your Ultra Chrome book uh, with the the woman laying back, I think, was a derivative or a animation was a derivative from something that um, the the Silicon Graphics did as an animation. Right, which I think kind of is a blend of, of that whole thing. Um, yeah, so the other thing... Right. Um, yes, which everyone is still using to this day. <laughs> yeah, so the other interesting thing about this book, and, and there's quite a few interesting things about this book that I, I don't think was ever replicated um, in any of the other source books, is uh, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the only book that had colored pages within it um, for Cyberpunk 2020. I don't think there was any others that actually had full color and granted, there. Yep, yeah, you are right. You, you... The other thing about this book um, was, and we when we start getting into it is. There are various terms and phrases that are highlighted uh, within the book and that have a side panel that gives a description of what that term or phrase 
mains, at least in the, from a gaming sense. Um, so when we're getting into it, you know, on page four where the book actually starts, and again, this is a pretty big supplement. It's 152 pages, which I don't think is the biggest, but it's definitely not the smallest <laughs> and above average uh, when it comes to content. And it's definitely well worth the read. Um, so this book kind of introduces you to the famous or infamous uh, Raish Bartmos. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who is the ultimate hacker. And you actually have a, a profile image of him on the first page. And his... Accomplice friend Spider Murphy and um, Spider, of course, makes a, a kind of a, a quick. Um, well, both of them make a, a appearance within twenty seventy seven. There is still quite a large debate on whether you actually find Bartmos's body. Um, and I don't believe. Mm -hmm. Well, I see a lot of the posts I see from Mike seems like a cat playing with a mouse. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so we really don't know all the facts, and I think the the other problem, and something I brought up with when people were debating. And I forget, I think it might have been about um, Morgan Blackhand. But it's like, okay, I can give you the facts according to this source. But again, Mike was slick enough to put in, oh, the data crash changed everything. So whatever you're reading was changed by the, well, I don't think it was the data crash. I think it was the paper virus, right? Which... <laughs> V3. Yeah, well. And whether you consider the, the canon that's written in these books, stored media, um, and affected by the data crash, you know, it, it kind of gives um, Altar Sorian to, to kind of play around and do a little bit of retconning uh, when they need to. Yep. 
so the first chapter is introduction. Um, basically, the the whole book is based off of the perception from uh, Bartmoses, with various uh, input from Spider, and then of course you have the the side bars that contain a little more information specifically around um, the game history and lore so it's not necessarily the perception i assume it's not necessarily the perception of uh bartmos who of course has a very skewered view which spider murphy does talk about why you shouldn't believe everything bartmos says because you know um yeah it well he's supposedly he knocks some of his brains out literally um in the text and and that's something you you definitely want to read about um i think that's in the the and again it's been a while since i've read this and i should have spent a little time uh skimming through this um before the show but um basically he, bartmos has knocked his head and i forget if, which chapter it is um and to the point where brain started coming out of his interface plug uh, and he just stuck it back in. <laughs> yes. But the introduction kind of sets you up on the, the journey you're about to take within the net. And the following chapters are basically uh, regional uh, lore that uh, starts getting into... And again, the, the, they introduce... Well, not again. But they introduce a, a new concept, at least within net running, is the regional maps, which uh, from the basic book you had... You had a city map, you had a data fort map, and you also had the world map. Um, regional maps added a layer in between the world map and the city map, uh, I think, to add in more cities to allow Netrunners uh, a little bit more options when it comes to building up trace and, and diving into various cities uh, that exist. And not only is this book great for the net it also gets into describing other areas I think the biggest miss, miss um, and again, it's with, with all our Tersorian products, it could be because they never found someone who could write on it, is there's really very little description of India and South, South Central Asia. Um, there's, talk about, uh, it's barely mentioned, you know, um, which is interesting because, you know, of, of, and again, 
I don't know if the 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 prophet Pondsmith uh, could have seen how big of uh, a tech giant India would become from the 90s. Um, so the real first chapter, other than the introduction, we start off with uh, Pacifica in that region, <clears throat> in which it starts talking about uh, how that region is uh, compared to other regions within um, the net. So each region has a different look and feel to it. Um, this one is mostly a water type with wandering dolphin programs which i thought was kind of interesting um And each chapter is broken up into various segments. So it, it talks about the region. It also then goes into the various cities within the region, which then provides you with city maps uh, that you can use within your game. Um, the various power factors that are within there. For example, in, in Pacifica, you have, um, what is it, France... Uh, Australia, New Zealand, Arisaka as a force, the Far Asian uh, co-prosperity sphere, or facts, as it were. <clears throat> so it starts describing who these factions are, how much power they have within this particular district. Um, and then the final kind of section points into points of interest, whether it's a BBS board or, or some other uh, item that you might want to pay attention to. And this is where you'll get a lot of the uh, data forts uh, that you can actually use and reuse uh, within your game. The one thing that I liked about this particular supplement, and, and you can definitely see it on page 34 with the... Um, Fallage, all right, I'm going to get this. 
Philogaya, <laughs> yeah, Philogaya data fort. Um, and, and this was something that really opened my mind on net running is making it a multi-layer data fort. Uh, and then understanding, looking at a data fort in three dimensions, right? Okay, can I get to this? How do I get to this particular square? Or can I get to this particular square? Um, and, and seeing the various routes uh, within the data fort, which I kind of like just opened my mind and, and really, wow, this is this shows a lot more depth that you can have within Netrunning in 2020. And also, if you're looking for any particular uh, software, Pacifica has the shell traders who are going to be able to get you what you want when you want it at a certain price, of course. Uh, and then each chapter ends with a particular uh, netrunner who, who is often in the region. And, and Pacifica actually has kind of a a semi-famous guy, uh, Magnificent Curtis, who I believe is uh, Raish's uh, kind of uh, protege, nemesis. I don't know. Yeah. But there is a rivalry between the two. Well, he's on the other side of the law, too, isn't he? He's Netwatch. Yep. Next chapter, like I said, it turns into Olympia. <coughs> um... the kind of tower on a lake or the building on a lake yeah <clears throat> yeah so again olympia is uh as they describe it is a large neutral zone of Sorts scrolled across the western portion of the United States. Olympias run from the Republic of Them Texans.
Yeah, but Texas is also kind of a place where a lot of the um, weapon technology is created, isn't it? Other than California. So there is... One of the, the well, the first power player within within this region is, of course, Militech. So I think they want to kind of have a hold on that. Um, and I love how the the Nevada net not watch. <laughs> Sorry. Who are basically. Um, I don't think they're necessarily affiliated with Netwatch, <laughs> um, which is why. I, well, if Bartmos likes them, they're they're probably not <laughs> Netwatch. And again, like I mentioned earlier, there, there's these little blurbs. <clears throat> um, and it's interesting to, to read some of them uh, again and how the game mechanics are introduced. Um, so there's not really a, a consolidation of these rules, which, of course, would have been nice at the end of the book. Um, but just these blurbs on the various sides, which, of course, makes you have to go out and buy the book and hunt and pick some of these some of this stuff to figure out exactly what's going on um, and then of course to, to accumulate them into one source at least back in the day was was always a challenge Well, for any gaming product back in the day, it was it was you were lucky to get an index. Um, I mean, the best you had was basically the. Uh, with the beginning part with the uh, content right breakdown of the various chapters and what that um, a chapter heading of what it could possibly mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I know the ref guide sometimes has page numbers, sometimes doesn't. Yeah. And that's what I tried to do with my referential um, data was to put in the page number. That is your task before 2024. <laughs> you got a year. Um, also in this section, in one of the side blurb, it actually talks about uh, doing a micro net run into a cyber limb, um, which basically points to the section towards the back in the appendix. Um, but I've noticed quite a few people, at least for the red part, how do I, how do I hack cyber limbs or how do I hack uh, items? So... Yeah. So you can convert these rules if you want. Um, I think it's kind of deadly. <laughs> so the video game is its a fun mechanic, but it's not realistic in my opinion. That, hey, I can just... I just look at you and within a certain amount of time, this is going to affect you. You're, you're definitely going to commit suicide. The, the assumption that everyone has cyberware, um, and specifically a neuro, neuro processor. Today's age with security constantly, at least the cybersecurity, constantly being honed and locking down further and further of how you can actually access things, right, is, is really detrimental to that kind of really fantasy idea of, hey, all I got to do is run a program and I'll, and I'll hack it. Um. Or you have the ideas that came from um, the series uh, Silicon Valley with their Pied Piper uh, product in which, oh, we just determined that this thing can hack anything within seconds. And I think that's one of the problems, I think, with when you look at 2077 is, sure, great, I can look at an NPC and cause them to commit suicide or pull a grenade pin. Guess what? If you're a proper cyberpunk GM referee, you have the same options to apply to players.
Yep. And this chap <clears throat> chapter also provides you with uh, two more cities, uh, Denver, well, part of Denver and part of Las Vegas. Um, and quite a few uh, data fort maps as well, which also includes a satellite office of orbital air and a, and a net watch uh, fort that, of course, you can always uh, replicate. Well, this kind of is in my top books I love, not necessarily specifically for game use, because, again, <laughs> the, the problem with this book is it's kind of geared towards one character, or if you have a party of Netrunners. But... But reading this book really turned me on to loving Netrunners uh, as a class and as, as a game mechanic um, because of how well it, it portrayed and really went in-depth on the net. And this section also, or this chapter, introduced the Hunt Club, um, which was basically a BBS for netrunners <laughs> and hackers. Um, and even though the fort is very easy to get into, well, I wouldn't say it's completely easy to get into because the the data fort or the data wall strength and and the code gates are pretty strong. Um, there's nothing that really is going to kill you inside. Um, it's a place for non-corporate netrunners and, and various hackers to basically hang out and talk and, and jam. Um, and I always considered it something similar to, what was it, in the standalone complex where uh, the major goes into a, a hacker room with all the hackers in virtual space hanging out and talking.
and they actually stat out the person who um, owner chief programmer of the hunt club called tally ho <laughs> well it's interesting to look at these stats right so you expect a and granted the stats are there but if you're looking at a player who wanted to be the ultra net runner their their intelligence would be a 10 their reflex would be a 10 and their tech would be a 10 and all the other stats they would put as garbage whereas tally ho highest stat is cool which is a 10 their high, other highest stat is luck which is a 10 their intelligence is a 9 their reflex is a 6 or 7 and tech is a 6 so um it's definitely interesting to look at uh the various npcs within our, any of these supplements and see that how they're not always power gamers and again this person could have been a player or, or could have been an npc that the one of the authors has created we'll we'll know until we interview those people Right, like like all the people that are mentioned throughout the books, um, you know, from from Mike's point of view, like who who were the players and who were not, right? So Spider was Lisa's character. Um, we kind of know that. Uh, you know, Ripper Jack is Mike's character, but you know, was Johnny a character? or Was he an NPC? Um, Once we start lining up those people. <laughs> um, so we're at the end of chapter three, moving on to chapter four, which is the Rust Belt. So this is basically uh, kind of the Midwest from Texas on to the East Coast. Um, <clears throat> this zone is supposed to have a very uh, industrial uh, look to it. Um mainly because this is where most industries i guess is is the concept that is there um so this is going to be the last zone of the united states uh that will be discussed and um and the various factors that are in here again netwatch is always mentioned in every section um each netwatch 
area is a little different. Uh, so you definitely want to read up on a particular zone's netwatch. There is an apparent... Um, there's also a blur about the European Bank and the uh, Euro Market uh, Consortium. So the E, they call it EMC, and that's that's another thing that I think one of the problems you get within the various source books is you have various European committees and organizations that are often mentioned, and I don't think there's a consistency. Um, so you have the EMC, the EEC, the ECC. I want to say there's another one too. The e EUC. Oh, one other concept, and <clears throat> I forgot to mention this, with each region, <clears throat> and Bartmos kind of explains it, is Bartmos has a belief, and, and granted it's his beliefs, so as a GM you can take it and do what you want with it, but his belief was each region had its own AI uh, that kind of governed the region, um, and the AI was spawned from uh, from the various net traffic that happened on it. <clears throat> of course, you know, Spider says it's a bunch of, of bullshit, uh, but <laughs> it, it's really up to the GM, I think, um, to determine the validity of it. So, um, that is present, presented in each region, uh, and, and Bartmos kind of goes into it. <clears throat> Again, a few of the cities are described, um, mainly because it's the East Coast, so there's quite a few. Um, there's a few uh, data forts specifically within uh, the Washington, D.C., uh, around the monuments that exist there and the uh, personality i think is dog was listed and bartmos from what i can see didn't really mention dog it was mostly uh spider murphy 
who presented Dog as the personality for this region. this chapter and we're going to get into chapter five which actually is consists of two chapters or two regions which is very odd uh, and and the regions are are very distributed <laughs> i would say so we have Just to give you uh, an overview of what regions are actually being implemented, and again, you can address this. So you have uh, Atlantis, which encompasses South America, and you also have Tokyo Chiba region, which is interesting that Tokyo and, and or sorry, Japan has its own region. Um, I think it's the only. Well, technically, technically ran, what was it, um, not Colombia, was it Peru or Argentina that basically was run by Arasaka with a puppet. Well, you did write a source book on it. <laughs> so I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you're, you're smarter than the lore than I am. Yeah, so there is definitely a lot of um, Japanese... Uh, powerhouses uh, mentioned uh, Disney is also mentioned which I thought in America Disney was turn or the bloods took over Disney all right I hope the big D <laughs> isn't listening and 
starts going after Artosorian for uh, printing in her name in their book. And I think that's one of the things of of before. You'd be surprised. Don't know what the statute of limitations are for copyright. But that's an interesting thing to see, and, and you know, for for younger viewers, um, product names and company names were freely used in various books, game supplements, um, and and other areas compared to today, which a lot of uh, companies now have kind of strut their uh, or flexed their muscles to protect their brand, as it were. Well, it was, yeah, and, and I think the concept was, at least at the time, was, you know, companies are consolidating, which, guess what, <laughs> they have been doing. Um, however, <laughs> yeah. Well, unlike today, which is basically I'm as a company, I'm buying you, so I'm not going to even use your name. Um, and also the concept and you see, especially with vehicles in, in Cyberpunk 2020, um, the concept that companies collaborated to create a specific vehicle and therefore they created a, a hybrid of their name in them. Um, which is something different. Um, so I think it depends on how a company, how a company either merged or was bought out, right? So the the whole concept of corporate mergers was pretty big back in in the day, and that concept was okay we're going to mash each other together and come up with a, a new name um however today it, it's there is some mergers going around but it's mostly we're buying you out and we're taking over your name and your property and sometimes we'll squash your name and never use it again So, but yeah, this is, again, a good section to read, um, mainly because, you know, it, it get, dives into 
uh, how powerful Japan really is. Uh, and the other great thing is you have an awesome data fort of Arasaka, which I'll, I always use in various different cities besides just Tokyo. Um, So, it is not. So, this chapter is definitely uh, well worth a read. Uh, the one thing it does not include is actually a personality, um, unlike the other uh, regions. So, I assume they, they assume Arasaka is a personality on its own. <laughs> and you don't need... Uh, other netrunners in there. Hmm. <clears throat> well, yeah, so this region, mm, yeah, this region specifically with um, South America, uh, I think is, is a little bit of a free-for-all, but not as bad as, um, what was it? Is it Africa's? area or uh solve space yep so the next region is europe uh which is i believe one of the higher controlled areas uh you can definitely expect netwatch uh roaming the streets as it were um if not netwatch interpol who's i think affiliated with netwatch in some way I, uh, mm. um, so I knew we we're at 830 so we might be blowing through a little bit of this but uh, this section is very detailed so uh, it's definitely well worth a read there is a nice little uh, a data fort. Sorry, I shouldn't say it's little, um, <laughs> but it is a nice setup of, of, of a data fort because it gets in again to that multi-layer or leveled data fort, and it it really is a fort in which you have certain ask, uh, access ways that you can only go through and need to uh, kind of kind of route you in certain ways. Yep. Um, so the next chapter moves into Solve Space and Africa. And Solve Space is Russia, uh, who really didn't fall with 2020. Kind of like the reality of today. <laughs> yep. Um, and then the section of Africa or Africana. Uh, 
看。Yep. I, I, and, and Africa is huge to the point where they talk about LDLs that aren't on the map <laughs> um, that you should implement. So uh, definitely a great read uh, and, and gives you kind of some background, at least some knowledge of what's happening in Africa. So I don't think there's any other source book that really gets into um, Africa is a continent and what's there, especially when you, when you have like orbital air and, and the whole space race happening uh, within the continent. So your, your next uh, conflict book is going to be about India? <laughs> you. You're welcome. I, I've given you <laughs> I've given you a task after your. Uh, after your uh, supplement on the uh, the I'm trying to describe it, your your desert and or sorry, dust and sand. Yeah, glass road. Which I'm helping inspire you. I hope. So the next, good, 100%, awesome. Woohoo! So for those who don't know, I'm uh, currently in uh, Wisdom's uh, campaign, which is called Dust and Sorrow, along with uh, a few other players. And we're having a blast going along the, uh, the Nomad Trail. Market to the next, yeah, and avoiding police as much as we can because we know the authorities do not like nomads. Uh, so we're getting into the technically the last chapter, uh, which is chapter eight, which includes Orbitville and Wild Space. So Orbitville is the whole near Earth. Um, I highly doubt you want to uh, net run from uh, 
the planet to any of these uh, facilities. And I'm actually... Well, so so my campaign, which I'm running for uh, in my players in, in person, um, damn, I would wish I didn't know that they created a O'Neill 2 uh, map because my concept of the map is a little different than this um, just because of the size and, and the humongous uh, humongousness of of the O'Neills, which I think wasn't really portrayed in the, in the source books, but I will definitely take a look at the the map again because I've been generating my own and figure out what corporations I need to pull in. Um, currently, that the players are just a bunch of uh, high rider, low level uh, grunt workers who are there to start the revolution. Mm. And the map is so small, too. There should be so many other co corporations there. Um, but it also does Tycho and the Lunars. Um, they also give uh, data forts for the battle sats, which is definitely going to come in handy uh, for my future campaign. And then the next section goes into wilder space. And wilder space is the, I don't know, the, the area in between cities is, is my understanding of it. Or, or cities that have become ghost towns. So one of the concepts of the net is basically the net is as big as the world. Uh, when you go to it, so you can actually, from from a city grid, you could walk to another city. However, it's going to take you forever. Uh, versus going into, yeah. replying to someone um so robert tables says yo so many movies i've seen remind me of something that could be in red have you seen the platform um is the platform the movie in which there's a platform that gets lowered to various levels and it first starts off with an abundance of awesome food and each level people on that yeah it's kind of like the cube Yeah. Yeah, so those movies are interesting um and and even the cube. Yes, you you could consider them kind of cyberpunky, right? In which a, a corporation is doing some type of psychology experiment against humans. Uh and 
The fortress was good. Yeah. Um, and Cube Zero, I think, was the final in that series. Yeah. The, even the pre the first one was just crazy amazing. Um, seeing all the cubes and not seeing Fortress. Yeah, so Fortress, there's two of them, I think. Maybe a third one. Yes, and I agree. Movers, movies can alter your mind. Uh, Naked Lunch <laughs> was one of those movies for me. I think the other... The other movie was The Exorcist, which was this kind of the most scary movie I ever saw because I saw it as a kid, like when I was six or seven years old. And there was a, I don't think it was a Kevin Smith movie. It might have been produced by Kevin Smith. It was definitely from um, Askew. It was called Vulgar. Um, that movie kind of really disturbed me. No, you're, that's, I believe, Red State. Yeah. Vulgar was early in in the career so it has all the cast of clerks but it's disturbing <laughs> i it was one of the few movies that i was like one scene was like yep nope i'm done um but yeah uh yeah so moving along <laughs> for that tangent so we got the wild wilder space and again we could touch base on movies uh once we finish off this book as it were um yeah so this move this um section actually talks about beijing and i think the how it turned into that ghost city um and from red right so so the whole virus and how human AI or the AIs kind of took over it and this chapter also talks about a lot of the roaming rogue AIs that exist and where they live um, and then finally you get into the rules appendix which consolidated meat Um, so these rules actually produce quite a lot of different things. Um, it, it kind of describes a little bit more of what the cyber modem is and, and what commands you have and details them a little further than the basic book. Um, the other rules, which kind of like 
really opened my mind into like you know as a player i was like oh, i'm gonna make a net runner oh wait mainframe hacking what the hell is this all about holy christ i can hook up my deck into a mainframe and, and make it even more awesome And it also, yeah, and this also gives you like rules in which you can do uh, battle programming. So you can actually have, you know, the, the concept is that Netrunners would gather at like um, sh sh uh, short circuit and, and do fights to determine who, who's the, the better hacker, as it were. Um, so it kind of gives you a little uh, how to play that out. Um, well, when, when I read these rules again, um, for whatever reason, I don't know if you've saw the, the TV series called the IT crowd, it's a British, yeah, when they, uh, what was it called? Word something. I forget what, I forget what it was, but basically Moss was like, there's there's a, a, a TV show over in Britain, and I forget the name of it, but it has to do with word count. So you get a bunch of letters, and you, yeah, yeah, you, you make a word. But the whole underground of all these, like, computer nerds doing this thing. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. So, if you're looking for a good Netrunner television series, go watch uh, IT Crowd. Um, it'll get you into the corporate Netrunner. Um, the other thing within this section is uh, the micronets. So, all those people who are looking on how do how can I hack a device. Um, this kind of give you some broad uh, ideas on how to do it. And you will have to read this multiple times to kind of put your head around it. Um, Yep. Before that, it was just always assumed you'd only ever be running, you know, netrunners against databases. Yep. And also in this section, um, you have some gear porn, right? Some 
CyberDeck, some CyberDeck enhancements, some programs. Um, they also stat out various uh, Netrunner templates. So if you need some stats and, and want some uh, quick and easy uh, Netrunners to kind of plug and play into your game, that's also here. Also here is uh, Raish Bosmotz's uh, skills and Spider Murphy's. And of course... Uh, and Bart... Bartmos is a god. Um, System knowledge 13. <laughs> I think that's the highest skill he has, but he goes above and beyond what is capable within the rules. Um, which, of course, you know, being being the god amongst netrunners, of course you're going to have to have something that players want to achieve but will never have because a referee is never going to give it to them. So now that we've finished, which, where do you think in in the various medias? Sorry, do you think um, portrayed the net the best? Right? Was it like Johnny Mnemonic? Um, Yeah, I, I like that. Um, for the net itself, right, the, the vast majority, I, I always look at it like um, from Johnny Mnemonic, right, in which it's just this flood of ads, data forts, tons of craziness that's in there. But when you get into the actual data fort themselves, um, one movie I really liked was uh, Disclosure with Demi Moore and uh, Mike and uh, Michael Douglas, I thought from from a data point of, or data fort point of view, in which they were actually in the data fort, and you see a user with kind of their their icons or, or their avatars walking around, going to a a file cabinet, pulling out files, and and that craziness, um, I thought really encompassed it. Yeah, and that's a movie that. God, well, to me, Disclosure I think is one is an underrated cyberpunk movie, even though it's not like you know, really hardcore technology or whatever. But it's definitely um, near future, 
corporate espionage um, kind of movie. But continue your point. So, final thoughts. Uh, this is, in my opinion, if if you're just looking for, you know, um, supplements or source books to help you with your game, this is not necessarily it should be one of your top choices. If you're looking for lore and and really uh, an awesome book on detailing the net within Cyberpunk, this is something you should pick up. Um, the, the, the brain blowout is stuff from here, stuff from various chromes and kind of like the, the black hands supplement in which accumulates a bunch of stuff. Um, we might get into, uh, brain blowout. I, there was some additions that brain blowout did add to the game, but I, I feel that if you had a choice between the two, I kind of would rather see people uh, get the guide versus uh, the blame brain blowout. Yeah, and it actually is larger than Home of the Brave, but shorter than Pacific Rim. Um, but I think Pacific Rim has a lot of uh, game material at the end. Um, yeah, 
but there is definitely a lot of 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 source material that you can go through so yeah um any other things we should be talking about with this book other than Bartmos is fucked up and crazy Well, he took down the net. <laughs> he, he, yeah, but definitely an interesting character, and it's the dialogue and the 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 viewpoint that the writers took um, trying to get uh, Raisha's uh, point of view made him a very interesting character throughout it. Um, and again, definitely well worth the read. Exactly. And you need that crazy. All right. Um, anything else before we close out? We're almost at uh, our two-hour mark. If not, we'll we'll find a topic that we can talk about. Um, we we've talked about a few topics that we might want to cover, um, just because I think we know we can definitely talk about that particular topic for two hours, well, without rambling too much. I hope, uh, which we are known to do.
Yeah, thank you, Rob. Yeah. Um, so, like Rosima said, you can. We we are out in the world. Um, specifically for me, you can come to uh, cybersmiley.net. That's without the e in the cybersmiley. Um, and you can check out all my utilities. There's a lot of uh, torn twenty stuff as well as red um, source material that I, I kind of consolidated and. and allow you hopefully to easier access uh, to that data um, uh, I do have a, a discord similar to uh, cyber nation uncensored um, I also am on quite a few other discords so if you do an at cyber smiley there's a good chance you're hitting me um, I'm also out there on reddit uh, I don't do twitch or, or Facebook sorry I can't I can't <laughs> I can't deal with those uh, companies anymore um, but yeah, um, you can check out wisdom over at data fortress, 2020.com. Um, he's got, you want lore. He's got lore. My site is more utilities, um, and, and helps you with your game. Um, wisdom definitely has the wisdom um, also check out his archives. Uh, there is a lot of stuff from old, yeah, exactly. So back in the day, there was hundreds of sites, uh, fan sites that were, were created and all of them have, have fallen throughout the years through attrition. Um, but wisdom has, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I remember the web rings um, and trying to get into the various web rings. Um, but yeah, just so if you're looking for old material or old ideas, uh, the file project that's on uh, Data Fortress 2020, you can definitely try to find. Some of the stuff is lost because some of the webmasters just didn't want to share their data. Um, and didn't want to repost it. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to sort that and organize that a better. <laughs> I got to help you with that. Doing a full, full crawl on your site and figuring out where all the various links are because. <laughs>
I don't have a problem with how it looks. I have a problem with trying to find anything on that site. Sure, I I go to Sourcebook and underneath, well, no, because each Sourcebook has some gear that doesn't always link to this to the gear section. But yeah, I think there's there's a Google utility that can actually just target your site with all your pages and find stuff so I, I I'll do some research and give you like a little search box that basically is powered by Google but will will find whatever's in that site and on whatever page you might have hidden scrolled away in a in a, a rabbit hole of links that you have to follow to find that that data Yeah. So, I'll see what I can do to help you out with that. Um, all right. I think we're done. All right, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. See you next month. Ta ta.